welcome to the With Flow podcast, a weekly show for purpose-driven women who are ready to embrace a feminine approach to business. We'll be chatting all things cycle awareness and using your intuitive superpowers, combined with the more practical aspects of business, like systems and planning. I'm your host, Laura, from Business With Flow, cyclical business mentor and systems queen. My mission is to show you that business can be fun and easy, that you can do it in a way that is right for you and feel inspired, organized, calm, and in control. So let's jump into this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to episode 50 of the With Flow podcast. In this week's episode, I'm chatting with Chelsea Horton, CEO and founder of Healing Embodied. Chelsea is a relationship anxiety specialist and a body-mind integration expert with a master's in dance movement therapy and counselling. Chelsea is a board-certified dance and movement therapist who has facilitated hundreds of sessions with those who are experiencing intense anxiety. As you'll hear in the episode, Chelsea has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to healing anxiety and regulating our nervous systems. And while Chelsea does specialize in working with people experiencing relationship anxiety, her advice is applicable to anyone experiencing anxiety or trauma in any area of your life or in your business. So let's jump into the episode. Hi, Chelsea. Welcome to the With Flow podcast. Thanks for being here. Hi, I'm really excited to be here and just like super honored that you thought of me as a guest. Thank you. Well, I'm really excited to share this um, as we were just talking before we hit record. What you do isn't necessarily that well known, that common, certainly, you know, Australia, New Zealand, this side of the world. So I'm really excited to share your knowledge and your expertise with my audience and let them get to know you a little bit better because I love the information that you share. I think it's really super valuable, really interesting and something that we need to get out to the world. So I'd love to start just by diving into what is a dance movement therapist and how on earth did you end up in this field? (laughs) That is the question that I have had to learn to answer since I started working as a dance therapist because no one knows what it is. I mean, 99% of people I come in contact with are like, what do you do therapy with dancers? Do you dance with people to make them feel better? Like there's, I'm on a mission to make dance movement therapy much more mainstream and and widely known because I, I love it. So dance and movement therapy is kind of like a cross between creative arts therapy and somatic therapy. So a lot of people, when I say, have you ever heard of music therapy or art therapy? They're like, yeah, I've heard of that. So dance is another creative expression modality. Uh, And the other part of dance and movement therapy is the somatic component. We're working with processing emotions through the body, whereas talk therapy or cognitive therapy, you're just talking about what you're experiencing. In dance and movement therapy, we're using the body to help you express emotion, to shift your emotional experience, and to get in touch with your emotions just on another level, not just in, in the thoughts that are associated with them, but actually the feelings that, and the sensations that exist in the body. So it is a form of, you know, psychotherapy when I was, you know, you need a master's degree to get it because you are learning 
on top of the dance movement therapy theory and technique, you're learning like counseling and therapy and, and psychology as well. So why then is it important for us to not just deal with things at the, the level of the mind and our thoughts and that kind of thing, but to use the body as a way of processing and feeling and healing those things? Well, I always ask people like, are you just a floating head? <laughs> like, are you a floating brain in a glass jar? Because if you are, then go for it. Talk and think all day long. But I imagine if you're listening to this podcast, you probably exist in some sort of body. And our bodies and our minds are literally constantly in communication with one another. Our body is listening to our mind and our mind is interpreting these sensations in our body. So, so many people are missing out on all of this information that the body holds. And a big part of mental health isn't just the thoughts you're thinking, but how your body responds to the thoughts you're thinking. Because you could have a, a thought like, oh, you know, what if this bad thing happens? You know, what if I give that speech at work and everyone thinks it's terrible? That in itself is just a thought. It's neutral. It's a combination of words. What's so distressing about that experience is the way your body feels about that thought. You probably notice <laughs> tension in your chest. Your heart starts to race. You get a stomach ache. So we're not just addressing and challenging the thought of, oh, what if you do this speech at work and everyone hates you? We're actually addressing how your body feels about that thought and, and what's driving that emotional response. I think maybe it was on Instagram, but you shared somewhere that often it starts in the body and we feel something and then our brains like to make some meaning of that feeling and they aren't even necessarily related. And as someone who has, you know, in the past been very much one of those people who could spiral quickly into, you know, thoughts of, oh my God, if the world is ending, <laughs> it was such a revelation to me to have that understanding of, oh, actually I'm, I'm making this feeling I'm feeling in my body mean something that it might not even be related to at all. Right. Uh, so many of us have fused our thoughts with our feelings. So we get a, a sensation in our body. And we automatically have a thought to make sense of that sensation. And then because we've fused that thought with that feeling, we think it's true, right? Like you could be like, I just have this feeling that something terrible is going to happen. Maybe because you had a, a, a moment of discomfort in your stomach and your mind went, oh, that must mean something horrible is around the corner. But that's not necessarily true. That's just what your mind did to try to make sense of the physiological experience you had. So interesting and so powerful when you start to understand that as well, that it's so much more than just dealing with the thoughts. It's a whole body approach. It's working with the emotion and the nervous system and all of the things like we were saying before, you know, it's multi-pronged in terms of your area of expertise and you've got to have all of those different areas integrated to, to have that support. I love that. It's so interesting. Yeah. And something that is so helpful to, is know, knowing and understanding how your nervous system and how your body work, because you might get so caught up in your thoughts and don't know why you're so stuck in them. But once you understand how the nervous system works, you begin to understand why you're reacting the way you're reacting. 
And instead of feeling shame about these reactions, you're like, oh, my nervous system, my body is doing this thing. It's having this particular reaction. I feel like the conversation around nervous system health and trauma and emotional health and mental health, it really has come a long way in the last few years. Whereas we really did used to focus on so much of what was going on in our head. A lot of people I see it online, they are really starting to talk about the health of their nervous system and how they respond to stress and things going on in their life. And, you know, obviously what you do and how you work with people, that's one of the ways that you can start to regulate your nervous system and you know, work through that stress. Yeah, it's one of the most important things for someone with a body to learn how to do, how to like work with your body. And when you know how to work with your body and your different nervous system states and you learn how to regulate, you feel so much more empowered moving through your life. So what about practices like breath work and EFT and meditation and all of those kind of things, are they all part of some of the work that you do? Is it all related? Is there like one thing or another that might work better in different situations? Or how do they all kind of, I know that they all help the nervous system in some way, but are they all part of what you do or? So I don't use any sort of particular breath work techniques or any particular yoga techniques with those types of body work, which are body work, you're, you're learning a very specific set of movements. Like in yoga, you have poses and you're focusing on alignment within those poses with breath work. You're focusing on certain techniques, how long you're breathing, how short you're breathing, how intense you're breathing. And while I can absolutely draw from those things, what's most important in my work is helping people attune to their body to know what's actually going to work for them because they could be told, Oh, you just need to start doing breath work. And all of a sudden they're doing breath work and they're getting re-traumatized because that particular technique is actually not what their nervous system needs. So having that foundational understanding of your nervous system is actually going to help, you know, you know, which of these body-based other modalities are going to be helpful for you or not, rather than saying, oh, you have to start doing yoga. It's about building this relationship with your body, this attunement with your body, because maybe for you, breath work is really helpful. And maybe for someone else, it it's like re-triggering and they need a different kind of um, technique. And so what I do with my clients is I help them create their own unique set of body-based tools. Let's go into your body. What's happening right now? Let's listen to your body. Let's attune to your body. What does your body need in this moment? And can you then have this repertoire of tools that are actually unique to you? Yes, you can borrow tools from these other modalities if they're helpful, but what's most important is what is, is going to be supportive to your own unique nervous system responses. Over the last couple of years, there's been a lot more I guess, understanding or knowledge or information coming out about the body and how we store emotions or we store past traumas in our body because we can't fully process them at the time. Can you talk a little bit about how, how that works? Yeah. So I'll just use the example um, in my particular niche, which is relationship anxiety, relationship 
insecurities, you know, insecure attachment styles. That's, that's, it is my niche. So uh, what I see in a lot of my clients is that they're carrying this stored story about relationships. They're carrying it in their body and they're bringing it into their current relationship. Even though their relationship they know is healthy, they know is supportive. They cognitively get it. They're like, why can't I just let myself love this person? Or why can't I just trust this person? And we go into the body and we see that their body stored this message around love and relationships, that love and relationships aren't safe because they had these past experiences. I call them relational wounding, relational ruptures, because not everyone, trauma, the word trauma scares some people and they have a hard time getting past the block of the fact that trauma isn't just these severe things. Mm. So I'll use language like relational ruptures. When you, whether that was in childhood, at school, you were bullied, whether that was a past breakup you went through, your body then stores these emotions. It stores the pain, it stores the memories and says, wow, this is what happens when I trust someone. And then we, we almost carry like, in that case, like this contraction, this set, this state of tension and disconnection. And even though that, that trauma, that relational rupture is over, it's in the past, you go into your current relationship, which is beautiful and healthy and supportive. And your body is still like (laughs) contracting and tense and disconnected. So we have to work with processing the pain of those relational ruptures to begin to complete what needed to be done then, feel the emotions that needed to be felt then so that you can no longer see relationships through this lens of pain. And you can be open to the reality that's right in front of you rather than constantly experiencing it through this lens of the past. So what are some signs then that people, common signs that people might see, maybe then don't have this awareness of this is what's going on for them, but some telltale signs that they might see to kind of go, oh, actually, this is what I've been, I've been doing. I've got these old wounds or these old emotions that I haven't fully processed and that I need to, to heal. I always encourage people to look at the severity of the reaction compared to the actual situation. Does it feel like seemingly, you know, maybe they're upsetting things, maybe they're stressors. Yes. But do you feel like overwhelmed by your own reaction to them? Are you like, what was that? Like, it's like your cognitive brain and your body feel like they're on two different pages. Like, why did I just have that reaction? Why, if you ask yourself things like, why can't I just that might be a sign that your cognitive mind and your body are living on two different planes where your mind is, is in the present reality, which is, okay, maybe it's a a small stressor or a challenge, or maybe you and your partner had, you know, a disagreement, but you know, there was no foul play and, you know, abuse involved, but your body was felt just so dysregulated and so overwhelmed. And you're like, Whoa, what was that? that might be an indication that, you know, there's some investigating to do and maybe get some support in navigating that. So one of the other areas, obviously your niche is around relationships, but you've started talking recently and I know you're creating a new program all around 
self-trust and learning to trust yourself and your feelings and your emotions. And I find it really interesting. And I, I know that you probably primarily work with women, but would have observed a lot of things. Is it part of the, the woman's experience that we've over time learned to not trust ourselves, not trust our emotions, not trust our feelings, not trust our intuition. And that we've actually got to this point now that we actually have to learn to really trust what we feel as opposed to what we should and air quotes feel about certain situations and about the world and how we navigate life. Ooh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> That's a whole podcast episode, but yeah. well, I do believe that like all genders experience some level of lack of trust in themselves just because of the way a lot of us are raised and societal expectations and pressures and standards. I do believe that there's another layer to it for women. Uh, we're from the time we're young, we're taught how our bodies should and shouldn't be we're we're taught that we're too emotional we're taught that we're too big too small too this too that and we we learn to almost dissociate from our own bodies and we have such a relationship of shame with our own bodies because we've internalized that about why well, should be like this i should look like this and so there must be something wrong with me if my body isn't measuring up to the standard that I'm told I have to follow in order to be worthy of love, in order to be seen as good in the eyes of society, whatever that freaking means. And so I think in a way it's this reclamation of this relationship, this loving, compassionate, attuned relationship with your body in which you're no longer shaming her and you're no longer outsourcing your sense of worthiness to the external. You, you build this sense of trust and connection with yourself so that you're not constantly looking outside of yourself. What should I do? How should I feel about this? What decisions should I make? Because I feel like, you know, particularly as women, we, we get so many shoulds from such a young age. And what this does when we are shoulded on so much, it reinforces the narrative that we need to look outside of ourselves to know what we should or shouldn't do in order to be worthy. And this creates a lack of trust in ourselves because we've learned what I, who I am in myself clearly is broken or not enough. So I guess other people know what's best for me. And so my new program, Radical Self-Trust is anchoring back into trusting in yourself rather than I need the approval of every other person. I need the approval of society. I need the approval of the internet. I need the approval of social media in order to know that I'm worthy and that my choices are okay. Slightly related. I'm just looking at your, um, your pole in the background. I know that you love to do pole dancing and I'm sure every time you post, you know, videos to your Instagram stories, you probably get reactions from some people telling you that you should or shouldn't be behaving in certain ways because of what people think that pole dancing, you know, it's only for strippers. And I've seen some of your videos and I'm always amazed at pole dancers and their amazing 
strength and flexibility in the things that that they can do. Yeah, it's I mean, women were like told don't be too promiscuous, but don't be too prude, but don't be too confident, but don't be too modest. And so when I decide to say I'm going to do what feels good for me, which is to to dance in my sensual sexual energy, to wear little clothes because that feels empowering for me in my body. What I will sometimes get is the projections of other people of, well, you're just doing that too. Da, 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 da. Oh, well, that's really like the most recent comment I got was, this is really cringe. It's like people, you know, projecting their own discomfort with their own bodies, most likely onto me. So, I mean, I've gotten to, to the point. It's like, I love pole dancing. I don't give a hooty hoot what you have to say about it. I'm not stopping because I love it. It feels empowering for me. And if it's triggering or activating for someone else, rather than making myself small and shrinking myself back and not trusting in my desires, I'm going to give it back to them. And I'm going to say, I think that's, that's up to you to process why this is so triggering for you. Absolutely. Rather than trying to tear other women down, it's on us to deal with our own shit when we see you know, people in real life or people on the internet doing things that make us feel uncomfortable. I, I love that you've set that boundary. And I think it's really empowering for other women and people that watch your stories and things to see you doing that, even if for them it's a, it's a different situation, but to see you set that boundary and stand in your power and, you know, as you said, hand it back is, is really empowering for other people to see as well. So if people are listening to this and they're thinking, oh gosh, this all sounds amazing. And they are maybe thinking, yes, I've, I've got some stuff that I need to work through, some stuff I need to heal. What are some of the things that they can maybe start doing to start processing some of the things that they might be holding on to? Here's the thing I'll say is that if we have stored trauma or if our body has stored pain and stored emotions what's going to be really valuable is actually getting connected with support because we often get so stuck in our own subjective experience or trying to diy it and we keep reinforcing this this narrative that like i have to do it all on my own i have to figure this out on my own and so the most empowering and vulnerable step you can take is reaching out for support because there it will accelerate your process when you have someone, a professional to help you co-regulate and to see the things that you can't see because you're stuck in your own subjective experience. I know that when I get, when I bump up against things where it's like, I just feel stuck in this. And I, I know that's an indicator for me. I need to get outside support. I need an external mirror. I need some co-regulation. I need an outside perspective. So one of the most important things you can do for yourself is to get support. We are not meant to heal in isolation. We heal through relationships. We heal through community. We heal through co-regulation until we can internalize self-regulation. If we have something we can't seem to get ourselves around, we just keep getting re-triggered and re-triggered and re-triggered. That means that you're having a really difficult time with self-regulation in that particular area. And so what's going to be so helpful is first getting the support where someone can provide co-regulation. And this is where your nervous system learns 
how to regulate. And then you then internalize that into self-regulation. It's, it's what happens with children when they're born. A baby, a child does not know how to self-regulate. They are completely dependent on their caretakers to help them co-regulate until they internalize that skill and can then self-regulate. But many of us in a lot of the generations we were raised in maybe didn't have caretakers that even knew how to help us regulate our emotions. They were dealing with their own stuff that they didn't even know how to regulate. And there's not blaming anyone, but a lot of us maybe had parents or caregivers that didn't know what to do with our big emotions. Maybe they just got punished. And so we didn't learn the co-regulation that was needed to be able to self-regulate. So what a professional practitioner, what support will do is provide the the co-regulation and fill in that gap so that you can begin to internalize that and then experience the self-regulation and be able to regulate that trigger on your own. And obviously you and your team are available to support people if that feels right for them. You've got a range of programs and offerings that are available to people. So if people would love to come hang out with you online, learn a little bit more about you or are maybe interested in working with you, where can they come find you? Mostly hang out on Instagram at healing.embodied. You can also go to my website, healingembodied.com. But yeah, I, I post a lot of educational and informational stuff on Instagram if you're wanting to get to know more. But if you're wanting to take that next step and get support, um, definitely head to my website, healingembodied.com. Awesome. Well, I will pop all of those links in the show notes so people can come find you. And I definitely recommend coming and hanging out with you on Instagram because I really enjoy your content and I find it so informative. And you know, even as we've talked about, you do specialize in relationships but the tools and the information and the things that you share are applicable across any form of anxiety or or healing that needs to be done so even if the relationship side of things doesn't resonate it's definitely great content so if you're on instagram i definitely recommend going and hanging out with chelsea and her team well thank you so much chelsea i really enjoyed that and i'm sure that our listeners will get a lot of information out of that thank you so much Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. I hoped that you loved hearing from Chelsea. As I said, she's a wealth of knowledge and experience, and I personally find it really fascinating. You can find all of Chelsea's contact details and links to her website in the show notes for this episode. You'll also find a link to a free video training series that Chelsea has that dives deeper into a lot of the things that we talked about in today's episode. So if you're wanting to learn more, that is definitely the best place to get started.